May the words spoken this morning be not of my vain imagination, but your counsel, O Lord God Almighty. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. Good morning. Good morning. I don't think I've seen this many smiling faces since the day Chick-fil-A was giving out free uh, chicken sandwiches. But welcome here today. Uh, it's, it's a special day beyond just a, a plenary uh, Eucharist where everybody's in attendance prior to our business meeting. But it is the second Sunday in the Feast of Epiphany, and it's also the Sunday in which the Western Church recognizes and recalls the baptism of Christ in the, in the Jordan. And again, as I said, this is that second Sunday. Uh, and with this, Christ's baptism, the church recalls Christ's baptism in the Jordan and the launch of his public ministry that would ultimately culminate outside of Jerusalem on, the hill, on a hill called the Skull. In three years between the moment that John proclaimed the Nazarene as the Lamb of God and Pilate rightly called him the King of the Jews, Jesus would light Judea, Samaria, and all of Galilee ablaze with the proclamation of the love of God the Father and how all who would embrace the good news of the kingdom, Jew or Gentile, might become children of, children of God, children of the Most High. Now, those of us who grew up in church, uh, we learned of Jesus' baptism, perhaps in any number of ways. Perhaps the Sunday school teacher that day handed out a ditto paper. Remember those? <laughs> you remember those. Uh, or we may have learned them on from coloring sheets, or if you're as old as me, even flannel graphs up, up on the board. Uh, which is quite an experience. Kids today have tablets with, with high definition. We had flannel. <laughs> um, but yet for far too many, the understanding of this event hasn't expanded too much beyond what we first learned as, as children concerning this at those tender ages. Now, I could easily count myself among that number for a number of, of years, until such a time as, as I matured began a, a more thorough study of, of Scripture. And as I did this, there was a portion of the dialogue between Jesus and the baptizer that I always found kind of perplexing. Uh, this being that moment where Christ exhorted John to continue as it was fitting that for them to fulfill all righteousness. Now let's, over the next few minutes, consider just what was being said at this moment. St. Mark tells in the opening words of his gospel how St. John the baptizer appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Now while not normative in the Jewish experience, baptism existed first in the realm of types and shadows within pre-exilic exilic uh, Israel. One place calls to mind is, is in Psalm 51, where David, after having his you know, fall with, and fall into sin with Bathsheba, it conveyed the desire to be washed and cleansed from his sin. Later on in the, uh, in the time of the intertestamental period, 
uh, the Essene community in Qumran uh, practice a type of incorporated the rite in those converting to Judaism. On the seventh day following the, the proselytes circumcision, seven days following that, that individual went through a, a ritual bath, uh, much like what we would see t today in, a, in an immersion baptism. And following that, uh, they marked their official entry into the community of Israel. Now, a number of scholars believe that perhaps John was at very least well acquainted with the Qumran community. Uh, beyond that, that's just conjecture. We don't know if he was or not. But regardless, regardless, the Lord in his grand design used John in a baptism of repentance to prepare hearts for the coming of the Messiah. John would prove to be that one voice crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Yet for the beauty of this awakening, there were certain priests who were absolutely scandalized by John's ministry and went down to the Jordan, to, went down to the river to discern just what was occurring. Now, John is a plain spoken man, not given to flowery speech and allegory and metaphor. He just laid it at him, you brood of vipers. You ever work in your garden and uncover a brood of copperheads? I haven't, my neighbor has. But that's essentially what John the Baptist was referring to those priests and scribes. You vile, venomous snakes, who warned you about the wrath to come? He spared no words. And... As he said, John set aside and went to see what happened. But it was in this showdown between Sadducee and Nazarite that the Nazarene suddenly, without notice, without warning, appeared on the scene. And Luke records that moment in his, Matthew records that moment in his gospel. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me? The baptizer spoke to his hearers, had spoke to his hearers and disciples prior to this that there was one who was to come that was greater than John. He had, and John had no illusions about being a ministry partner or joining the band of, of disciples as, as Jesus taught. As the coming one, John considered himself not even worthy to remove the sandals from Jesus' feet. An illusion drawing to house slaves within the Roman, uh, Roman society. Typically, this slave would be a child. Uh, one not capable of a lot of heavy lifting, heavy manual labor, but he was pressed into service nonetheless. When the master came home, this child in obeisance bowed down and humbly removed the sandals from the, his master's feet so his, his, those feet could be refreshed after a hot day in a Judean uh, outside. And that's how John saw himself in comparison to Jesus. I am just a lowly servant, perhaps the lowliest of servants. Uh, 
but he, as he described his low estate, he also spoke of the mighty baptism that Christ would offer. While he, John, baptized with water, this coming promised one would baptize with fire and the Holy Spirit. At some moment, the two locked eyes, and John became acutely aware that he was staring and encountering deity. And this wasn't the first time that this happened for John the Baptist. Some 30 years prior, he'd experienced an epiphany while still in utero. And it was at that moment where Mary entered the household of Elizabeth, the infant John turned a somersault. Moms, you, you've witnessed that, you know, just out of the blue that that little guy or girl resting inside you will just break out into gymnastics for some reason. Um, and that's exactly what happened when John uh, became acutely aware of, of the deity that was in his presence. And now, John, in a moment that is very similar to what Isaiah proclaimed when he said, woe is me, I'm undone. What Daniel said is he fell as a dead man. Uh, John was, was in, acutely aware, aware of his unworthiness to stand in the Lord's presence, let alone baptize the one who was without sin. But this is where Jesus, I can imagine a gentle smile on his face and in a soft, dulcet tone, said, let it be so. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. It was at that moment of John's reluctance to baptize the Savior that Jesus encounters in urging John to baptize him in, in, in as a fulfillment of all righteousness. Now I have to admit that this was a puzzle for me on multiple levels. John's mission in ministry was to offer baptism to, as a sign of repentance to the contrite. Yet the one who knew no sin stepped forward to receive baptism, this baptism. The key to understanding this paradox is rooting in the understanding of what is this word righteousness and what is Christ speaking of. The term that Jesus uses here in speaking to fulfilling all righteousness speaks to being in perfect submission to the command and edict of God. In a more direct saying, it was as if Jesus says, John, you will baptize me because my Father and your God demands and expects nothing less at this moment. But we see that one thing that we tend to miss or overlook at times is the fact that this baptism is intri intrinsically and directly linked to the cross. On that day, Christ's baptism served, on that day, Christ's baptism served to identify him with those who, who he came to redeem. While most of those went under the waters of the turbid waters of, of the Jordan confessing their sins. Now that when Jesus of Nazareth stepped forward, he had no sins to confess. But what was happening is now that at this point, Christ was now identifying with all humanity, all who ever lived, all who live, and all who will live. Uh, he who knew no sin would now 
be the bearer of our sin to save all humanity. Now, John, not, perhaps not fully comprehending all of this, he was, obedient, he was an obedient participant in this great move of God. He plunged his cousin, the very expression of the Godhead, into the turbid waters of the Jordan. Now, I imagine that there were few at that moment that gave that, even heard the conversation between John and Jesus, or thought beyond the fact that this is just another man coming forth to be baptized. But when Jesus rose from the waters, everything changed. And as Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, Matthew tells us. And behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, coming to rest on him, and a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, on whom I am well pleased. Now, this was the second time this, something like this happened in the life of, of Jesus. There, there is a distinct, if uh, IT professionals know or are familiar with a firewall, mechanics are familiar with a firewall between the engine and the passenger compartment. But there is, in essence, a type of firewall between etern the, the realm of time and the realm of eternity. That firewall was opened that day, but it wasn't the first time that firewall was open. The first time it was open to lowly shepherds who were abiding with their flocks by night, Luke's gospel tells us. When heaven opened and the glory of the God shone around and the angels began to sing and proclaim. But this time, it, it was a second, second time it was happened. We see... Matthew's words describing that the Holy Spirit lighted like a dove. What did it look like? Did it look like a dove? Uh, I can't say. But what I can say is I've, I've watched doves in flight. Doves are not like goonie birds that do crash landings when, when, they, when they hit the, hit the ground. A dove, when a dove lights down, it lights down as gentle as light as a feather. And so we have that imagery of the Holy Spirit just gently settling upon Jesus and with that voice that, that tore through, uh, perhaps like a sonic boom. I had the pleasure of, Robin and I had the pleasure of living in Germany when there were two Germanys, when, when NATO jets would go screaming down the Weser River just feet above the surface, where suddenly the whole house rocked because that, because that NATO jet tore a, hole, tore a hole in the atmosphere with a sonic boom. Uh, I, I, suspect, I, I suspect that only the, the one with, ones with the most profound deafness would miss that, that sound. And if you didn't hear it, you felt it, because it shook the windows. And somehow I suspect that at, at this moment, as God the Father spoke, this is my son in whom I was well pleased, that it reverberated. Uh, and given the atmospheric uh, properties of air moving through a valley, as I said, I suspect that none missed this uh, phenomenon, leaving all without an excuse. So... As we consider, the, uh, consider this, it leaves us with questions 
of eternal weight this morning. You know, it's kind of, if you'll have it, a mirror image. When Christ stepped forth in baptism, he stepped forward to identify with all humanity, with, with, with Miles, with Michael, um, everybody else in here today. When we step forward now in baptism, we step forward to identify with him in his death and his eternal resurrection. So I have to ask the question, is there anybody within the sound of my voice this morning who has not stepped forward to identify with Christ your Savior in the waters of baptism? I let that question sink in. And I want to tell you that that today is a treatable condition because we have a full dugout full of clergy that will be happy not only to have a pre-baptismal class with you, but allow you to enter into the covenant family of God through the waters of baptism. And uh, don't say this to hector anybody, but I say this to exhort and encourage you that if this is you, come on, the water's just fine. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.